Okay. Good evening, everybody, and welcome. Tonight we are continuing Chapter 4 of Shahar Bitalchin, the Gate of Trust. And we're learning seven different areas where a person needs to apply trust and how to apply it in each area. We've currently learned in last week's class the first area, which is a person's basic life, or as the uh, title that they give it here, um, the title for the first section is called Health and Basic Sustenance. Um, yes, we'll magnify in the class. So the first area of where a person needs to trust in Hashem is health and basic sustenance. And we were learning how Hashem promises this to every living being. If you're living, then you're promised to be taken care of. You'll have the clothing you need, a place to live. You'll have the food you need, health. But part of that is also being that you have to do your best to take care of yourself. You know, you can't eat fatty foods and smoke your whole life and then wonder why your body's not keeping up. And that's what we're going to continue on learning tonight. What we're going to learn tonight about is may one drink poison or may one fight a lion a thinking that if he's supposed to live, he's going to live. So let's jump in. The outcome of putting ourselves in dangerous situations. The chain ain't roy adam likonis. Similarly, it is not fitting for a person to place himself in danger as part of his reliance on the Creator's decrees. What type of danger would this be? The Yishta Samiha Mavis. He's going to drink poisonous potions. Or he's going to endanger himself by fighting with a lion. Or he's going to fight other, other dangerous wild animals if he does not have to. Meaning that sometimes you, you need to fight with a lion. If there's a lion fighting you and you have no choice, fight and Hashem will take care of you. But if you have a choice, then keep away. Or nor should a person jump into the sea or into fire, or endanger himself in any other similar manner. In which a person cannot be sure of his safety. Now, how do I know that I shouldn't endanger myself? Scripture warns against this when it says in Devarim 6.16, you shall not test the Lord your God as you tested him in Masa. Okay, so we're not supposed to test Hashem. You know, just an interesting story that happened today. There was a student pinching other students. Hitting, pinching. So I spoke to him. I said, how could you do this? Like, what's, what, what's on your mind? What's happening? Where I like to ask, what were you thinking when you were doing that? Like, what, what were you? And I'm not asking that in a tough way. But literally, I want to know what was on the student's mind when that happened. So he tells me, well, the students asked me to do it. So I said, if, so I asked, if someone asks you to hit them, are you allowed to? He says, I think so. 
So we learned together, I learned with the student, how we don't own our own body, right? Our body is a gift from Hashem. And we don't own it, meaning you're not allowed to cut yourself, you're not allowed to harm yourself, you're not allowed to hurt yourself. And therefore, if someone says, pinch me and hit me, we don't, we're not allowed to do it. They're not in charge of their body. You know, interesting. The student thanked me for that conversation at the end. He said it was something very fascinating. He appreciated it. So we're not allowed to go ahead and put ourselves into a dangerous situation. Why? Well, there are two possibilities as to what will happen to someone who endangers his life in such a manner. If you're going to go ahead and jump into the sea, drink poison, fight a lion. Well, one of two things are going to happen. And for, now we're going to stress what, the option of what's going to happen if you die. Because remember, the two options are you're going to live or you're going to die. So if you die, how is that going to, what would happen on a Torah perspective? To, so option A is he's going to die. But not only is he going to die, the Yihi Yehu and it will be considered as if he killed himself. Now, is it a big deal to kill yourself? Is suicide a big deal? And he will be punished in the world to come for doing so as if he murdered another person, which is a terrible sin. Wow. Okay, so listen to this. Someone who drank poison thinking maybe if he wants to live, Hashem will help him. He's going to be he's going to be judged in heaven as if he killed someone else. This is so, despite the fact that his death and the manner in which he died was decreed by the Almighty and done with his approval. So Mark, I want to, I want to uh, let, let's, let's discuss it for a moment. Someone drank poison and he died. That means Hashem approved, so to speak, of his death. Hashem decreed that he's going to die by drinking poison. Because that was his time. Correct. But he's still considered a murderer. And he's going to be judged like a murderer. Because he murdered himself? That's right. That's... Okay. that's um, so, hmm. Wait, Mark, listen to this. Listen to the next paragraph, Moshe Mendel. This is mind-blowing. The Torah has already warned us not to kill any person in, in any matter. Where do we know this? When it says in the Ten Commandments in Shemais 20, 30, 13, do not murder. Do not murder, period. Now, Rabbeinu Bachai is going to tell us the closer you are to the person killed, the bigger the sin. You see, to kill someone that you don't know is not as emotional. You don't know the person, you're not attached to him. That's one thing. But to kill someone you know, you, you, there's a natural love for that person. So that murder is even greater. So suicide is, is, your, is murder too. And the person you love most is yourself. So the worst murder is killing yourself. Let's see that inside. Yeah. Yes. We know there are exceptions to that rule, do we not? Well, let let so so Moshe Mendel, of course, but allow us to finish um, this the next few paragraphs and then we'll come together. Okay, let let's see his words. In other words, the Chol Asher Yihiyeh Hamumas Karivel Hamemis. In fact, 
the closer the relationship between the murdered person and the murderer, the harsher the punishment will be. As it is written in Amaz 1.11, for pursuing their brother with the sword, and they destroyed their mercy. For someone to kill a brother means they're destroying their own natural mercy. And so to kill yourself means you're, remo- you're hurting your mercy even more. So if someone's going to go ahead and drink this poison, this poison, and they're going to say, well, just, if it's my time, I'll go. No, no, no. No, no, no. Even if it's your time, you killed yourself and you're considered a murderer if you're going to go ahead and do such a crazy thing. And, and he's adding, so you know how serious it is. Don't go ahead and play any tricks and see if they could fight the lion because actually you're going to be considered as committing suicide. And suicide is even worse than killing someone else. So what about somebody that drinks themselves to one death? Second, one second, one second, one second. We're going to read two more paragraphs. And then I'm going to we'll take comments. In addition to the fact that you're removing your, someone who kills himself is removing his own natural love for himself. Another reason why it is certain that the punishment of one who kills himself is so great. Is because in doing so, he is an analogous to a slave whose master instructed him to guard a certain place for a certain amount of time. And warned him not to leave the place until his master's messenger will come. Now, when he sees how the messenger is delaying to come, the slave left the place before he, the messenger, came. Now, what happens? The master got angry with him and punished him with a harsh punishment. So the, the analogy is, a servant is told, I want you to stand and guard this post until the next person comes. And 9 p.m., 9 p.m. comes, the next person's not there, and the, the slave runs away. The master's going to be very mad. Similarly, one who kills himself, forsakes the service of the Almighty by rebelling against him, by putting himself at danger of death. So let's summarize what we've said, and then, yes, there's certainly, you know, we, we can have a conversation here we're stressing a point and the point is we need to guard our health and don't be a we'll call it a smart aleck to say well Hashem is in charge and if he wants me to die I'm going to die and therefore I could go ahead and try out this incredible trick that uh, the odds are you know I'm going to go and try and jump off of uh, jump off of Niagara Falls in a barrel and see if I live if I live I'll be the first person to do it, and that's going to be incredible. And if I die, I was supposed to die anyways. No. Why not? Because the way Hashem set up the world is that we need to do our best to live. Now, if we die, it's as if we've killed ourselves. We've committed suicide. And we're going to be judged like that. 
And Abin Bachaya says, in this case, committing suicide is even worse than killing another. The punishment is greater because, number one, you ha- you're, you're removing some of your, na- your natural love to the greatest extent within yourself. That's A and B is you're not guarding your post. Hashem says you need to be alive. You're ending your life early. It's gonna, Hashem is going to be disappointed. That's what we've learned so far. Maisha Mendel and, uh, and Mark, please go ahead. So what about, what about some, so I'll tell you a story. About 35 years ago, um, Libya blew up an, a passenger airplane over Lockerbie, Scotland. It killed everybody. A close friend of mine was driving to the airport to get on that flight and he turned around and didn't get on the flight. Now he's from, so that might count for something. Um, but something said to him, You have a premonition. Don't get on that flight. What's that about? Is that, Michael, you say premonition, but is that God's will? What's the other option? Uh, uh, coincidence. Um, what's the other option? Um, could have ignored. He could have ignored his call it premonition, for lack of a better term, and gotten on the flight. We know that it's not just a coincidence, and it's certainly part of the divine providence. Yeah, absolutely. That is, that is just proof in that person's life of the divine providence that he was supposed to live. Wow. So you said taking care of your health. So somebody that eats themselves to death or drinks themselves to death or does daredevil stuff. Like I had a, a friend growing up who was a cave diver. And one day he went cave diving and never came up. And he was a daredevil. He did lots of things. He, he had pet cobras. I mean, he was a daredevil. I mean, I don't think they ever recognized him as their father. Um, but, you know, he had pet cobras and pet puff adders and things like that. Um, but he was a daredevil. And we all knew something was going to happen to him when he was young because of how he did his life. So what's the question? The question is, so there's this, there's this um, cliche called tempting fate. And right. Hashem has a path for me and I have free will within a certain parameters. But if I jump out of an airplane without a parachute, there's a high probability that I'm going to spl- I'm going to splat. But people have jumped out of airplanes without parachutes and survived. We're going to talk about those people um, and, and what what's happened to them as well later on. That's not what we're up to yet. But at the moment, I know. I know. I'm just it's just messing with my head a little about if 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 I don't take care of myself, I'm murdering me. Those are good questions. 
So are you asking, I, I still haven't heard a question, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of processing this. Sure, sure. Um, um, as we're going along. So, Michael. Shmir, we've talked about this in the past, but somebody who's clinically depressed, and we've, you know, we've both known people like that, who took their lives, they're not, so they, they're not they, the same way as they would be if they were. They, they've died from a sickness, correct. You know, suicide in halacha is so severe that the uh, person who committed suicide doesn't get a proper burial. I mean, it's, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's quite extreme. But actually, basically, at this in our generation, we say someone who commits suicide is doing it out of a sickness. Um, and they are considered people that are very sick. Um, and we, we feel we, and they are not going to be punished for that. You know, a sickness can why why what's the difference in the burial okay i'm not very familiar okay i'll, but I'll just, try and answer the question i believe okay, but, there used uh -huh. to be a section a separate section in the cemetery for them i may be incorrect but i believe there was a special think, cemetery for, for such the, people i think but, at the cemetery there's there are certain individuals who are isolated set aside anyway right uh, I, I can't be sure but i assume that what little i know about the passing um i think that was a result of but why are we judging them here if they're going to get judged up there because of their suicide we we're, fo we we're following we're following hashem's orders i mean we're following okay. what the torah says okay and so just follow me for a second so based on the conversation that you and i had yesterday does a person who's murdered themselves, does their soul also leave their body the same way somebody else, uh, uh, somebody else's soul leaves their body who's died of old age or in an accident or something? Right. So what I want to be clear about at this moment is in, in today's, in today's um, world, we're uh, tragically, we're seeing an increase in mental illness. Uh, we look at someone who has committed suicide as someone who is dealing with a very severe illness and they will, yes, they will go to heaven. They don't need to be buried separately, et cetera, um, because of those reasons. So to answer your question, yes, they would be like someone who, who died of a sickness. These people died of a sickness. Um, but, but let's, I, I wanna kind of bring focus on the message that we're learning. The message is <laughs> we need to take care of our health. We must take care of our health uh, because that's what Hashem wants. Preventative care, you know, today, right, in medicine, they preventative care. But, but we're not so much talking about preventative care at the moment here. That's a separate conversation. Here we're saying, yeah, we can't be irresponsible. We have to be, take responsible choices. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. I don't know about it. I'm just telling you something. If there's a clinical test, if they're testing people on something, I think it's a question if it's appropriate to, for you to take it. It's something for you to think about. When things are being tried out, um, 
you know, is that something we should be doing? Should we be trying things out? If it's needed, you know, it's, it's different. This is a thought that comes to mind. Okay, so now we're gonna go so far to say that this idea we need to try and protect ourselves from, from death is even in regards to a mitzvah. Don't go and say, ah, I need to go and do a mitzvah. And therefore, I could be irresponsible. I could drive 100 miles an hour and I don't have to follow any red lights because Hashem is going to be guiding me. <laughs> That's uh, not going to do you too much good. What's the proof for this? The proof is a story of Shmuel. Shmuel Hanavi, he was the prophet of the Jewish people, the leader of the Jewish people at the time of King Shaul. And King Shaul did not follow Hashem's instructions properly. Hashem had instructed him to wipe out the nation of Amalek. King Shaul didn't listen to their instructions appropriately. And Hashem told Shmuel, the prophet, Shmuel Anavi, to go and anoint who? Anybody? Who should he anoint? King David. Now Shmuel is going to do a mitzvah. And yet, he's scared for his life. <laughs> the king's going to find out that he's anointing somebody else. The king may kill him. And he asks Hashem, he says, Hashem, if I go and anoint King da uh, David and make him King David, Shoal may kill me. Mark, is that a good question or a bad question? Hmm. It's seemingly a terrible question. Hashem told you to go and anoint King da David. Hi, Yeshua. Welcome. Hi, Myra. Hashem, Yeshua, follow this question. It's an incredible question. Hashem has told you to go and anoint David and make him King David. And you go and turn to Hashem and you say, you know what, Hashem, I'm a little, I'm a little scared you're going to kill. I'm going to die on the way. Fool. Hashem told you to go. What are you scared of? Let's see that inside. And let's see if that's Hashem's response. Does Hashem tell Shoal, does Hashem tell Shmuel, you're a fool? Valkein at the mighty Shmuel. Therefore, we find Shmuel of blessed memory saying, how shall I go? I'm going to go and anoint David. For if Shoal hears, he will kill me. Ah, and it was not considered as a lack of trust in the Almighty. Ooh. So now we have to figure this out. Shaul said, I don't want to die on the way. And Hashem was, Hashem was happy with his question, so happy that Hashem told him, you know what, let's come up with a plan. It's a cover-up. No one's going to know you're going to anoint King David. Why? Let's see it inside. Rather, it was not... It was not considered as a lack of trust in the Almighty. Rather, the Almighty's response to him implied that his caution in this matter was praiseworthy. So, so Shemuel Hanavi is being praised. 
And Hashem told him, Hashem said, let's do a cover-up. For he told him, Hashem told him, a calf of cattle shall you take in your hands. So Hashem told Shmuel Hanavi, take an animal with you and tell everybody you're going to offer sacrifices to the Lord. And then in middle, you should invite David's family and you'll quickly take David to a side room. And yeah, you just put a little oil on him and, and the rest of the matter, which it says there, no one's going to know nothing. <laughs> so... Shaul is told by Hashem, go anoint, go anoint David. He says, I don't want to get killed on the way. Hashem doesn't say foolish question. I told you to go, I'll protect you. Hashem says, let's do this together. You go, you're going to say, you're coming for one thing. You're going to quickly take him. Now, why? Why is Hashem not upset at Shmuel Hanavi? What's the answer, Maisha Mandel? Why is Shmuel not? What's resp- Why is Shmuel not being called out on such a silly question, and said, "Just trust in Hashem." And why is Hashem saying, "You know what? You're right. Let's make a cover up." Because Mark, he obviously showed concern for his own health, and but, he raised the issue with with oh, Hashem. And, and here we're learning a deep point, Meishemato. We need to try and do everything. In, in a safe fashion. So Shmuel Hanavi was saying, Hashem, I know I'll be safe, but what's the safest natural fashion to do this? And Hashem said, yeah, let's make a ploy. If it wasn't safe to begin with, so then there's no question, it's not safe and Hashem tells you to do it, so don't worry. It's not safe to walk into the sea because you're going to drown. And Hashem said to go. So Nachshon goes to his neck. And then the sea splits. That makes sense. Hashem said go. And the only way to go is by walking into the sea. So do it. It's a little crazy, but do it. But mm-hmm. if there may be another way, a natural way, a healthy way, do it the natural way. Let's see that inside. The Were it to be the case that Shmuel Hanavi's reluctance to put his life in danger was considered a lack of trust in God, then God's response to him would have been, as it says in Devarim 32, 39, I cause death and grant life. I strike, but I heal. Or something similar to it. Hashem would have said, well, you're worried about dying. You can't die without my permission. You're going to live. Don't worry. As Hashem indeed said to Moshe, blessed memory, at the time when he, Moshe, said to Hashem by the burning bush, um, for I am heavy of mouth and heavy of tongue, I can't go. According to nature, you're telling me to be the spokesperson for the Jewish people. I can't even speak properly. So at that point, Hashem is telling you, Mark, listen to this, incredible. Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't talk properly. And so Maish Rabbeinu is saying, I can't talk properly. How could I go? So you know what Hashem's response is to that? Mm-hmm. So Hashem said, who gave man a mouth? Or who makes one dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Hashem responded to Maish Rabbeinu. He says, I told you to go. You're worried you can't talk. It, your mouth, who, who makes people talk? Who makes people hear? It's all me. So once Moshe got the clear communication, 
that mm-hmm. he's the person to go. There's no saying, oh, but I don't talk. I told you to go. No, don't worry. This is his response to Mo, to Moshe sound a little a little flip compared to how he addressed uh, Shmuel. Ah, so let's finish the next paragraph. Okay. If Shmuel, despite his complete righteousness, did not act lightly and put his life in even a slight risk of danger. Even though he would be doing so at the instruction of the Creator, blessed be He, who said, Hashem told Shmuel, Fill your horn with oil and come, I shall send you to Yishai of Beislach. And still, Shmuel Hanavi said, Ah, you're sending me. Okay, so what's the safest way to go now? Then all the more so would it be considered morally reprehensible for another person to do so who had not been commanded to do so by the creator himself. So if Shmuel Hanavi is being told to go and still he's asking what's the safest manner, how much more so someone who's not being instructed should make sure to do so in a safe manner. So Moshe Mendel is asking the obvious question. He's saying, I don't really understand. What's the difference between Moshe, who was told to go and is asking, well, it doesn't sound so safe, to Shmuel, who was told to go and says it doesn't sound so safe. And Moshe is being called out on it, and Shmuel is not being called out on it. It's not so clear, says Moshe Mendel. Moshe Mendel. It's a tone more than anything. The tone. Right, right. Hashem is telling Moshe, Moshe, this is, it's not an appropriate question. How could you, how could you be asking me, how could you go? I, I, I told you to go, go. Is that what you're saying, Moshe, Moshe Mendel? Well, he, he, Moshe Mendel, let me say he, one more time and he, see, he, tell me if this works. I think Moshe Mendel is saying, Moshe Rabbeinu is being corrected for his seemingly safe question. And Shmuel is being praised for his same question. Is that is that what you're asking? Yeah, that's closer to what I, what I have in mind. Any response from the wise men? Or woman. Or woman, yes. Well, I, I appreciate the compliment, but it seems like Michael is the wisest one tonight. Yes. <laughs> Is, is, is that your response? <laughs> yeah. That's is a, that your final that's answer? That's way of transferring responsibility to me that, by, by, by trying to flatter me. But I've known, it, I've known Mark too long to, <laughs> to snatch the bait, so to speak. So, Maisha Mandel, let, let's go through this. And hopefully, I hope I'll give you a good answer. Okay. If I tell you to go and Hashem told Moshe, go and talk to Paro. Right. So Moshe wasn't saying, how do I talk to Paro? Moshe said, I don't think I'm the right guy. So Hashem said, what do you mean? I told you you're the right guy. Go. Hashem, yes, Hashem was, so to speak, frustrated. That wasn't a safe question. 
a safe question, you know, in our context would have been, aha, I should go. So what would be the safest method of speech to mote to paro with my, uh, with my handicap? You know, it may, maybe, maybe Moshe could, but that what Moshe was saying, you got the wrong guy. So Hashem says, no, no, no. I told you to go, go. Shmuel Hanavi said, I'm going to go. Shmuel Hanavi was told to go and anoint David. He said, I'm going. But what's the safest route? So Hashem said, that's a good question. The safest route is going to be in a ploy. And Hashem told him how to do it. Mesh Mendel, did that, did that help? Oh, yeah, there's, there's a subtle difference. But, uh... Yes, 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 yes. Um, is that what you were going to say, Yeshua? Yeah, no, my reaction to it was that um, Moshe was basically saying, are you sure it's me? I, I mean, I'm not the best spokesperson here. There's others that can speak better than I can. So he's being humble. And, uh, and Hashem is saying, no, you're good. Right. <laughs> you're, the, you're the best. Whereas uh, Shmuel uh, is more, you know, you know, uh, how am I going to do this? I mean, I, I don't know how to do this without putting my life at risk. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm all in, but I don't see how to do this. You're in a problem solving mode. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, uh, yeah. So different situations. Yes. Yes. And thanks for that clarification. So now uh, Mark started off with a story of a person who jumps out of a plane without a parachute and stays alive. And so Mark, we're going to talk about that person now. So let's recap. Well, what are we, what, where are we holding in the Shar HaBitochen? We're saying that we need to trust in Hashem when so, it comes let, to... Let me, let, let, me, let me qualify that a little more. They didn't jump out of an airplane without a parachute. They jumped out of an airplane and the parachute failed. Got it. Ooh, that's not really what we're going to talk about in this scenario. Oh. We would, be, we would in, at the moment, because in that case, where nature, where they set them up for, when, in a case where you set yourself up for success, so then you've done everything you can, then you rely on a miracle. Then you're doing the appropriate thing. What we're going to talk about now is someone that said, let me drink the poison and see what happens. And he lived. Let me jump out of a plane without a parachute and see. Maybe I'll live. We're going to talk about such a person. And so, so again, where are we holding in, in the bigger picture of Shar HaBitach? And we're saying that basic sustenance, the first area of where we need to trust in Hashem, Hashem's going to always take care of us but we need to do our part. And so we're saying, if you don't do your part, if you do something crazy, you may die. And now we're gonna say, and you may not die, but if you don't die, you've paid a heavy, heavy price by doing that trick. You may have lost all your merits to save you from death in this story. So if you're gonna go ahead and and, uh, jump out of a plane and stay alive, you may have lost a hefty reward in the world to come to save you. Let's see that inside. Alternatively, it is possible that a person who did something irresponsible, like fought a lion intentionally on his own without needing to, will be saved with the help of the Creator, blessed be he. 
but but will lose some of his merits and thereby lose his reward that was due to him for these good deeds. As rabbis of blessed memory said regarding this matter in the Talmud, a person should never place himself in a dangerous situation and say that a miracle will be performed for him. Why? For perhaps no miracle will be performed for him. Then you're in trouble. And if a miracle is performed for him, then it will be deducted from his merits. And the truth is, we're going to conclude that we see a precedence from Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu, after he fought Asaf, I'm sorry, as he was coming to fight Asaf, he turns to Hashem and he says, Hashem, I don't even have any merits anymore to ask you to protect me from Asaph because you've already done so many, um, you've showed me so much kindness in different, when I crossed, when I crossed over a little river and I got into a fight with an angel and when I was, was by my father-in-law's house. So I, he, Hash, Yaakov is telling Hashem, I've lost, I've used up my merits. Similarly, we find by Yaakov Avinu of blessed memory who said, I have become small from all the kindnesses that the Almighty has bestowed upon me. And the Targum translates this as, my merits have been diminished as a result of all the goodness and kindness that you have done to me. Powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. Yes. Well, let, let me let me let me summarize what we've learned, and then I'll take questions. So, in summary, someone who does something completely irresponsible without needing to—again, if you need to, do it—and Hashem will and, and trust in Hashem that He'll take care of you. But if you didn't need to, God forbid, you may die, and you'll be punished, and, and you'll be judged as if you killed yourself, which which is one of the worst things possible. And on the flip side, you may live, but that's costed you a lot of money. It's costed you a lot of merit. Uh, how many merits do you have? You to count is, it like your cat, is it like a cat with nine lives? Count, count your mitzvahs. How many mitzvahs have you done? Were you nice to somebody today? Did you greet someone nicely? Are you being nice to your to your spouse? You know, every, every mitzvah is a merit. Yes, Maisha Mendel. Oh, yeah, I have a related question. Are those are those merits? accounted for in this world and the next world, both either? All of the above. All of the above. <laughs> we say, we have a prayer, we say in, in the beginning of davening, Elu, certain mitzvahs you get rewarded in this world, certain mitzvahs in the world to come, certain in both. Um, but even if you had a reward that was supposed to come to you, let's say, for example, in the world to come, you could lose that by using out that, those merits back in this world. So, so, for example, you could have this sweet person who does a tremendous amount of mitzvahs, but, but they're being irresponsible intentionally, and, and they're using up all their rewards for silly stuff. That's quite drastic. It's quite a drastic thing to think about, that your irresponsibility is uh, using up this... I mean, let's just use it in, in, in money terms. Imagine you've spent your whole life saving up money, 
but you don't realize that there's a secret. Uh, a, so imagine you have a you have an account, and you're not able to check how much money you have in it, but you know you've put in millions of dollars. Again, you're not able to check up on it and see what's really happening, but, and you don't realize that. You know, you've been doing some irresponsible things, and and all your money's been been uh, flowing out. That's quite quite a scary thought. You thought you had a big retirement plan, and there's nothing in there. Mike Mendel, sorry. Well, did Mark, I... Mark's Mark's example of a daredevil would be would be certainly a concrete, you know, proof that the more the more they the more risks dangerous risks a person takes, the less likely they're going to live. A longer life. So, and, and I want to I want to share kind of a guiding light um, in life. You know, they say one of the one of the most dangerous mm. things to do is walk down the street. Very very dangerous. Mm. Um, why? <laughs> it, it's just it's quite dangerous to leave your house. The safest thing um, is probably to stay home. You know, the moment you leave your house, you're opening yourself up to all types of crazy things. I'm being a little, a little uh, facetious, but I, I'm trying to say that life, anything you do, means you're opening yourself up for something. There's a risk. There's a risk. And so to tell someone, you know, you can't do what I'll say, anything fun, you know, today, if you go rock climbing, which is relatively safe, they make you sign 17 waivers. So are we saying here you shouldn't do that? That's not what we're saying. What we are saying is that you have to calculate, you know, we have to think, is this a responsible thing to do? Um, and if you have questions, you know, then you need a mentor, you need a guide, a friend, a rabbi, so many, you know, um, so again, I'm, we're not saying here not to do anything. We are saying to try and make sure that you're thoughtful about it and you, you're clear if it's a good decision for you. Deliberate. Yeah. Thank you, Shmir. Okay, thank you all.